morning. We are glad that you are at Faith Church today. We've got a great day ahead of us. If you have your Bibles, join me in John chapter 1. We'll get there here in just a minute. John chapter 1. When I was in Bible school uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we, I was also in an intern program at the same time we were in Bible school. And uh, this particular intern program was set up as such that we would go to school in the morning and then uh, have like a really quick lunch. And then in the afternoon, we'd go out and do outreaches, do ministries, uh, serve someplace, lots of different things that we would get involved in and participate in. And one, of, one day in particular, I remember uh, we loaded up into a van and we drove to the mall and I got excited. I was like, hey, all right, I like hanging out at the mall. This should be fun. And we got there. And uh, the assistant director who was driving us and setting up this particular outreach uh, turned off the van and turned around and looked at us and he said, guys, Jesus is coming back in one hour. What are you going to do about it? This mall is full of people who don't know Jesus. And if they don't hear the message of Jesus, they're going to go to hell in a matter of one hour. What are you going to do about it? And our hearts start beating really fast, and I felt like all this pressure, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want people burn in hell. I don't want that blood on my hands. Like, I remember hearing that, and I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. And so they opened the doors, and man, out we went two by two, uh, and we went all through the mall. And I remember, like, the adrenaline was kicking. It's like, I don't want to be the reason people are in hell. I don't want to be the reason people are in hell. And, and I ran from store to store, and, like, just anybody who would make eye contact with me. I was like, hey, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? You want to know Jesus? If you die right now, are you going to go to heaven or hell? Heaven or hell? Which one? You got to decide right now. You got an hour. <laughs> I know that seems a stretch for somebody with my personality to do such a thing. I remember at one point, <laughs> stop laughing with me. That's not, that's not kind. I remember at one point, I literally uh, <laughs> got up in the food court, stood on a table, <laughs> and I said, hey, I want to tell you about my friend Jesus. He's changed my life. And I, I preached for a good three minutes, and I said, if you want to know more about him, I'm right here. I'm not weird. Talk to me. <laughs> Something to that effect. And I got down and overwalked this guy. And he's walking. He's got a big smile on his face. And immediately I was like, oh, crap. He went to high school with me. He's like, hey, how's this working out for you? <laughs> I'm like, shut up. I don't want to talk to you. And I remember in that moment feeling like, oh. This didn't work. Truth be told, I'm not a salesman, right? Like, I mean, I can be a salesman. You might think that my job requires that every week I sell you something, sell you and convince you to do something that you don't really know that you need to do, but the Bible says you need to do it, therefore you need to do it. And so persuasion obviously is a part of my job, but I am not a salesman. And I think for a lot of us growing up, those that grew up in the church, we have approached sharing our faith like a sales call. Like we need to get people by the end of the conversation to sign on the dotted line of salvation. And if we didn't close the deal in that conversation, then we didn't do our job. 
And so for a lot of years, many people, they, they are gung-ho. Let's go door to door. Let's bring tracks. Let's tell everybody and do everything. And while I think our hearts are in the right place, our methods are a little anemic. And and for many people, we've lived our lives feeling like, you know, I love Jesus and I know I should share my faith. I know I should tell people about God. I know I should tell people uh, about church, but I just don't feel like I can. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't fit that mold, whatever that mold is. And, And if we were honest, we would say that that mold probably seems a little weird to many of us. And I would probably agree. Needless to say that from that one experience at the mall to where I am at today, my approach to sharing my faith has changed dramatically, drastically, and I believe for, for the better. There is no doubt that God wants you to partner with him to build the kingdom of God. Part of being a mature follower of Jesus is that we grow oftentimes by doing things that are outside of our comfort zone. That's true. And there is a world that is around us, a culture that surrounds us, that desperately and deeply needs to hear the truth of who Jesus is. And it is true that unless people have given, surrendered their heart and their life to the lordship of Jesus, when the day comes, when he returns, if they haven't made themselves submit to his lordship and follow the way of the cross and given their lives to Jesus, if they've never done that, it is true There is a hell. It is true. And so there is something inside of us that says, man, we really do want to share our faith, but I don't feel like we need to have a hidden agenda with every conversation that we have. Right? I don't feel like we need to be the people that are standing around at the park and be like, man, it sure is hot out here. I know. I really don't like the heat. Speaking of hot, hell's hot. Like, like, we have an agenda behind every conversation that we start. I don't, I don't really think that that's the right approach either. I think deep down, most of us want to see other people come to faith in Jesus. We're just not sure how to do that. We're just not sure what part we're supposed to play in it. Many of us haven't done it because we don't feel like we know enough about God. We don't feel like we've been good enough to do it. We haven't been going to church long enough. Like we, we haven't, uh, we've got too much of an unscripted past to really be used by God in this area. And, and besides, why would anybody want to listen to me? And I think for many of us, that's kind of our perspective. And, and you might even be sitting back and kind of have a little bit more of an old school perspective where you sit back and you would think that, well, Telling people about Jesus, that's the preacher's job. We pay a preacher to do that. The good news is I'm not a preacher. I'm a pastor. And according to Ephesians chapter 4, as a pastor, my job is to equip saints to do the work of the ministry. As a saint... I I share my faith. As a saint, I invite people to church. As a saint, I share my testimony. As a pastor, I want to equip you to do that very same thing. Why? Because we are the body of Christ, and we have a part to play. As a church here at Faith Church, in our local context, we want to help every person belong. We want to help every person become a disciple. And we want to help every person step out and begin to build the kingdom of God. We want you to do those three things. We want you to know that you belong here. Absolutely. 
We want you, though, to become a disciple and begin to mature in your faith and be built up in those things. And we want you to participate alongside us as we build the kingdom of God together. And when it comes to sharing your faith, sharing your story, pointing people to Jesus, you have a part to play. The question is, how do we do that? I think we could think of it in two words. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, I want you to write these two words down. These two words, invest and invite. Will you say that with me? Invest and invite. Let's say it again. Invest and invite. Again, invest and invite. Quicker, invest, invite, invest and invite. Invest and invite, 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 invest and invite. I'll take $10,000 right there. Thank you very much, sir. No, I'm just kidding. We're not auctioning anything. I wouldn't be good as an auctioner, actually. Because the faster I talk, the less you actually can understand what I say. Some of you are like, that's true. Thank you for understanding our, our dilemma, Pastor. Try and slow it down for you. Today, invest and invite. Invest and invite. I believe that is an approach that we all, no matter our background, no matter where we feel like our level of faith is, no matter how long we've been walking with the Lord, no matter our personality, we all can participate in investing and inviting as we build the kingdom of God together. I want to share with you a story out of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we find Jesus beginning his ministry. And as Jesus is beginning his ministry, he's kind of calling some disciples and building his team together, uh, people that would follow him and learn his ways and become disciples. That was the invitation. Hey, come along, follow me. And he's already found Andrew, and he's found Peter, and he's found John. And he's like, hey, come along, come along, come along. And uh, that's kind of where we're picking up the story. And uh, the story that we're going we're gonna to read is kind of relates to three main characters. You're going to see Philip, you're going to see Nathaniel, and you're going to see uh, Jesus. All kind of centerpieced in this story uh, of an occurrence that took place in the life of Jesus. Now, we've been in a series entitled Unscripted, where we've been allowing and, and learning how the unexpected moments in our lives can actually produce purpose. Where it's not like we're just getting caught off guard and like, oh no, but we can discern and partner with God to live out a purpose within those moments. And we're gonna see that play out even in this story where this unexpected thing begins to take place in Philip's life, which leads to an invitation to Nathaniel, and both of them go on an unexpected journey of following Jesus in their life. It wasn't what was written in their script. They, they had other things going on in their lives, but Jesus showed up and started to rewrite the script of their life. And we're going to see how they took advantage of an unscripted moment and partnered with God and began to build the kingdom. And how you and I, when we look at the story, we will be able to see how we can invest and invite and allow the unscripted unplanned moments of our day not be an interruption but be something that we invest in intentionally and we can see that God is always wanting to bring opportunities across your path if we will just notice them as opportunities and what should we do with those opportunities when they come are you you in John chapter 1 yet are you there John chapter 1 I'm going to start in verse 43 it says this the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee 
Finding Philip. If you have a, a, a paper Bible, I want you to under that word finding. Finding Philip. He said to him, hey, follow me. Follow me. Now, in that context, that was quite an honor for a teacher and a rabbi to come along and say, hey, I want you to follow me. That was an invitation to, to discipleship. That was something culturally that happened often. Rabbis and teachers were always on the lookout for people to be their disciple and say, hey, come follow me and let me teach you my ways. That was a cultural norm for them. And so this wasn't unheard of for these guys. And so when Jesus made this invitation to Philip, hey, come follow me, they were like, wow, that's an honor. I, yeah, let me do that. And, and they felt value in that. They felt loved in that. They felt like they had a sense of belonging now in this one invitation. And so they began to follow him. Verse 44, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael. There's that word again, found, underline it, found Nathanael, and told him, we have found, underline it, the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Philip is excited. He's enthusiastic. He's pumped up. We found the guy. We found him. We found him. We found him. And Nathaniel responds like this. Nazareth, can anything good actually come from Nazareth? Like Fort Scott? Can, can anything good come from like that? That's, can, for Scott? Like for real? Like that's where the Messiah was at? That's where they're, the man, like for real? Like can anything good come from, from Nazareth? Can anything good come from a, a broken family? Can, can anything good come from somebody who filed bankruptcy? Can anything good come for somebody who's been married multiple times? Can, can anything good come from somebody who was adopted? They don't even know who their parents are. I mean, can anything good come from Nazareth? I wonder how many of us stop short in following God because we don't think anything good can come from people like us. I'm here to tell you God specializes in using people like you, people who have your story. He loves to write redemption into every person's story. He's written redemption into my story and he wants to continue to write redemption into your story. Why? Because your story is actually not about you. It's about him. I know that's revelation for some of you because you think life is just about you and I'm friends, the quicker we discover that it's not actually about us, it's about him life starts to make a whole lot more sense for us. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel asked. I love Philip's response. Come and see. Will you say that with me? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, Jesus said to him, check this out, man, Jesus is so amazing. He said, ah, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Here's a guy coming right here. Man, he doesn't put up with nothing. His, his baloney reading meter is pretty high. He can detect that baloney stuff, right? He can detect that baloney. He, he can see it, man. 
And this guy right here, here's a guy who is as true as the day is long right here. This guy, man, he doesn't put up with nothing. He sees right through it all. He knows truth from truth. You can't be a hypocrite in front of this guy. This guy's not hypocritical. He's the same guy on, guy on Sunday as he is Friday night. Same guy. Man, this guy, there's no, there's no two ways. Of, he's just the same dude all the way around. Jesus starts to point out some things about Nathaniel's life. Verse 48, Nathaniel looks at him really puzzled and says, um, how do you know me? I've never, I've never met you. How do you know that about me? I mean, it's true and all, but like, how did you, like, how did you, how did you know? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip ever called you. He had this word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit gave to Jesus. And he was like, ah, I seen this before it ever happened. I knew it was happening before you knew it was happening. And Jesus saw it. Then, verse 49, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, but you will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, you don't even know all that God has in store for you, but something good is taking place. Invest and invite, invest and invite. You see it all through this story. The first thing I want you to, to, to notice, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This, this might seem like a real obvious, you've seen it, you notice it statement, but just in case uh, you, you haven't in, in a while, let, let me help you with this. You cannot find what you do not look for. You cannot find what you don't look for. If you're not looking for it, you won't find it. If you're not looking for the opportunity to be an encourager into somebody else's life, you won't take those opportunities and notice that they're there. If you don't look for it, you won't find it. I have this conversation with my kids all the time. They're looking for something, and we tell them to go find this or to go get this, and they inevitably leave, and they go downstairs, and then a couple minutes later, they come back up and they're like, Dad, I can't find it. Well, did you look in your drawer? I looked everywhere. Well, did you look in your drawer? Well, no, but I looked everywhere. Well, like, no, you didn't look everywhere. I tell you what, buddy, I'll let you go look for it one more time before I come down and find it. Why? Because they're not really good at looking for things. I believe God wants us to live in such a way that we are always on the lookout for the opportunities that he's bringing our way to be a positive impact into somebody else's life. We need to be on the lookout, always looking for an opportunity to invest into somebody else's life. You need to be on the lookout to invest. Who do you need to invest in? Here's who. You invest in who you meet. Did you meet them? Invest in them. Yeah, but what if that's not the relationship God wants me to begin to invest? If you meet them, invest in them. Did God die for that person? Yes, then invest in them. This is the whosoever of the gospel right here. We don't need to like have long prayer meetings. Should we share the good news and invite this person to church and invest in them and be an encouragement to them? Should we do that, Lord? And we don't need to wait four hours for an answer. If they have breath in their lungs, the answer is yes. 
Why? Because God is for them. If there is breath in their lungs, God is for them. Why, God is for you and he's for me. He's not against you. He's not out to get you. No, God is for you and he's for me. He sent his son to die so that whosoever would believe. They're part of the whosoever, so let's invest in them. Pastor, what do you mean by invest in them? I mean, be for them. Be an encourager to them. Smile at them. Speak kindly to them. Compliment them. It's not difficult to invest in somebody. Before you sat down today, I told you you needed to give five people a compliment. You know what you did? You invested in them. Even if you lied in church. How do you invest? Who do you invest? Invest in those you meet simply by being for them. Be on their side. Smile at them. Encourage them. Say something nice. Compliment them, right? Be for them. I want our church to be known as the most encouraging people ever. We should not enter a single conversation, not at the DMV, come on, Jesus, I'm preaching good, not at the grocery store, not in the school line, we shouldn't, uh, at the ball fields, everywhere we go, we should be people in every conversation that we leave that conversation better than when we found it. Every conversation you ought to encourage them, even if you're mad at them, encourage them. Right, Even if it's your neighbor and their dog has gotten out seven times and left you a present on your yard, love them anyways and encourage them to keep their dog on the other side. I'm telling you, you can encourage anyone. Invest in those you meet simply by being for them. It's not an us versus them. It's not a do they believe like I believe. It's not a uh, are, they, are they gun-toting or are they against the Second Amendment. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're Yanni or Team Laurel. Be for them. Just be glad they kind of can hear, right? I mean, come on. Be for them. Invest in those you meet. Investing is really the work of just building a bridge. Investing in a relationship is just building a bridge. Building a bridge so that one day, the Jesus that lives in your heart, that has transformed your life, that has forever radically rearranged who you are and made you a better version of you, like that Jesus that lives in you one day can walk across that bridge into their life. We need to look for people's potential, not scrutinize their problems. That was real good. I'll say it again a little slower so you can write it down. We need to look, pat, look for people's potential, not scrutinize their problems. That's what Jesus did with Nathaniel. He saw, he saw him coming and said, here's a guy who's got a lot of potential. There's no deceit in this guy. He doesn't lie and he doesn't pretend to be something that he's not. This is a real deal right here. He's an authentic guy. You know what the real problem with Nathaniel was? He was skeptical, he was a narcissist, and he was negative as it relates to Jesus and where he grew up. You might say he was a racist, judging somebody based on where he grew up. 
Jesus didn't sit there and point out, hey, bro, you got some problems. You want to follow me? That's fine, but you got to deal with that mess. Is that what he said? No. He looked past the problems to see the potential. What if we started looking past people's problems, the things that annoy us, the things that aggravate us, and we started talking to their potential? We started breathing life into their potential. We started building up the things that we know is good on the inside of them that will one day overrun and overtake the negative inside of them. Let's stop complaining about this younger generation, and let's start building into their potential. No, let's see past to build their Potential. Listen, there are relationships that you have in your family that you need to stop preaching at them and instead start repairing the relationship. If there are broken relationships in your life, don't start preaching at them yet. Do the hard work to repair the relationship. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's not just for the stranger. That's for the people that know you best. Are there friendships that are just fractured right now? Repair the relationship. Don't start preaching at them. Do the work of repairing the relationship so that Jesus can be seen in that. Repair the relationship before you start preaching. Philip was the bridge that that became the avenue and the path that brought Nathaniel to Jesus. It forever changed Nathaniel's destiny and his life. It was an unscripted moment for Nathaniel. It was an unscripted moment for Philip. But Philip went out, found the relationship, built a bridge, carried him to Jesus, showed him who Christ was, and Christ did the rest. Your job and my job is to build bridges in our lives with the people that we meet and the people that are already in our lives, strengthening this bridge so that they can see Jesus and Jesus can easily walk between our lives into their life. Our job is to build the relationship. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit who does the saving. Even as a pastor, I have never saved anyone's life. Never once. I've I've been a part of seeing many people come to Jesus, but I've never done the actual saving. That's God's job. I'm just a bridge that allows people to get to where he's at. Investing in the people that you meet and in the people that are in your life is just about building a strong bridge to get them to where they are. Bridges are the shared interests that you have in your life. The hobbies that you have, that they also have, that's a bridge that you can start building and constructing. Utilize that as an avenue to get involved in them. Bridges are the time that you spend with other people. Philip was able to tell his story with excitement. We found Messiah, we found Messiah. He didn't do it that way, but I got your attention, don't I? He just simply shared, he was able to share his story with Nathaniel because he did the hard work of building the bridge by finding where he was at. Philip went looking for Nathaniel. He went looking for an opportunity to build a bridge and say, hey, you've got to come see this thing. Come on, come on, come on. Listen, when you're beginning to share with other people, don't let their skepticism dampen your enthusiasm. Don't let it 
Don't let it dampen you. Philip didn't get sidetracked. He just said, come on. No, you just come and see why he was investing and he was able to, to share, his, share his story. At the end of the version event today and later on social media, we'll share it out as well. But the reading plan that we wanna encourage you to read through this week is all about learning how to share your story with other people. How you can share your testimony, your, your story of how you came to Jesus with other people. We wanna equip you so that you know how to do that. Sharing your story is really simple. There's just four parts to it. Four parts, one sentence each if you need. First part is sharing your story is, what was your life like before you met Jesus? Describe it to him. Then, what made you decide to follow Jesus? Second part of your story. Third part of telling your story is simply, how is it that you chose, how did you follow Christ? How did you start following Jesus? Well, I prayed a prayer. And I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. How did you start following Christ? And then the fourth part is simply this. How has your life changed since you started following Jesus? Within four sentences, and in three to five minutes or less, you're able to tell somebody else your story. I wanna encourage you, write down your story. Answer those four questions sometime this week. And as you write it down, you'll be able to tell other people what your story is very, very simply. Listen, this idea of investing in relationships, investing in the people that we meet and that we know, it's not that we want something from them. We're not trying to add them to our number, add them to our membership here. We're not, we're not trying to say, hey, I got three this week. How many did you get? Oh, you got four? Way to go. I'm going to beat you. It's not like we're trying to get something from somebody. No. Our heart is to invest in these relationships because we want something for them. Why? Because we are. We're not trying to get something from them. We want something for them. As a pastor, I'm not trying to get something from you. No. I want you to understand. I'm sharing everything that I share because I want something for you. I want you to experience the life change. I want you to know what it's like to be used by God. I want you to see the joy and the excitement that comes when you finally invest and you invite somebody to come to church and they come and then they say yes to Jesus and the joy that you get in knowing that you played a part in that. The joy that you find when you share somebody, share your story with somebody and all of a sudden they're like, man, that is the most encouraging thing. I, I can relate. And light bulbs start going off on them and you played a role in that. Why? I want that for you and for your life. So, but first, we've got to look for the opportunities to invest in others, invest in those that we meet. Invest. The second part was what? Invite. Invest and invite. Who do we invite? It's real simple. Invite those that you meet. Invest in the people that you meet. Encourage them, love them, build them up. Invite those that you meet. Invite them. Philip was persistent. I said it a minute ago, don't let their skepticism dampen your enthusiasm. Why? Because it's your enthusiasm about what God has done in you that you're inviting them to come and see too. 
And, and they may be skeptical at first, just like Nathaniel, but when they finally came, when he finally got up from underneath his tree, got up off his couch and decided to go, and he said yes to the invitation, right? His life began to change too. You invite them to just simply come and see. Listen, your enthusiasm will lead to their engagement. Nobody wants to be a part of something that doesn't sound exciting, right? Like if we were picking teams and we were like, hey, our team is gonna lose every game. Who wants to play on the team? Right, like that just doesn't sound fun. But when there's something of substance, when you've experienced something in your life that has radically transformed, when you finally found a life-giving experience, when you came to Faith Church and something inside of you met you here, when something was alive in you, all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, wait a second. I need to invite and tell other people about this place. I need to invite them to, to discover what it means to follow Jesus because it's changing me. I, I don't know it all. I don't understand it all. I, I just got to tell you, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come. And it's your enthusiasm that comes from an authentic place that leads to their engagement. A lot of people ask me, so what's your church like? So tell, tell me about your church. What's your church like? What's your church like? What's your church like? And what they really want me to tell them is what we believe about this and believe about that. And they want to get into a discussion about doctrine and theology. But I don't ever take that bait. My response to most people is like, it's a life-giving place. Yeah, but, but like what denomination are you? Listen, we're not going to be put in a box. I don't have a problem with denominations. I personally am licensed through a denomination, and I love being a part of that fellowship and that family. But to be honest, there's a lot of people who like to pigeonhole and create a, an opinion about something before they ever get here and do here. And, and I understand. I think people need to understand and do some research and learn some things. I don't have a problem with that at all. That's why we have information on our website for people to read and understand and do their do, do that so, so that they can answer the questions that they have. But at the end of the day, my response always is just come and see. Yeah, but, but do you have to dress up? Just come and see. Yeah, but do you preach from a real Bible or are you one of those, like, just come and see? Like, do you believe in the Holy Spirit and tongues and fire and snakes? Well, just come and see, but there won't be snakes. <laughs> just come and just come and see. Listen, if you are investing in relationships, one of the greatest things you can do is invite them to come and see the things that are changing you. You do this with restaurants. You eat at good restaurants. You post it on social media and be like, oh, you got to eat here. It's the best. Why did we have you check in on Facebook today? Because that's an easy way for you to share something good that's happening in you with the people that are around you. It's an easy way to invest and invite, invest and invite, invest and invite. Invite them to come and see. Invite them to come along with you. Invite them along the journey that you're walking. Invest in the relationship and invite them to come with you. Just come and see, come and see, come and see. Just come and see. Who knows? I believe people are one invitation away from life change. One invitation away from life changed. There's a study done a couple years ago 
47% of people who have never been to church a day in their life, what's considered unchurched people, 47% of people who have never darkened the door of a church would come if somebody invited them. 47% of the people who live in Bourbon County would come to church if somebody invited them. People are one invitation away from life change. Friends, we need to be about our Father's business of investing and inviting, investing and inviting. Today, we have uh, some merchandise that's available that you can start to sell, coffee cups and some new T-shirts. And on the T-shirts, they just simply say, for you. We've done this so that it can create perhaps a conversation as you're wearing it about in the community. And people are like, for you, for what? What do you mean for you? And it allows you just to simply say, why don't you come and see? I go to a church that is for you. As a church, as a Christian, as a Jesus follower, man, I'm for you. I want God's best for you. We're for you. Yeah, but I don't believe all that you mean. That's okay. We're still for you. You don't understand what I did Friday night. I know. We're still for you. It's the whosoever of the gospel. Either Jesus' arms are wide open or they're not. And they are. So as a church, our arms are wide open and we're standing here and we will declare, we are for you. We're standing here as a church telling Fort Scott, Fort Scott, we are for Fort Scott. We're standing here towards Uniontown and we're saying, Uniontown, we are for you. We're looking at Pittsburgh saying, Pittsburgh, we are for you. Arma, Arcadia, uh, Lacine, Nevada, all these other places that are on the map that I can't pronounce and don't know of yet, we are for you. Why? Because Jesus died for you. And if he was willing to die for you, then I'm willing to stand here and look at you. I may not look like you. I may not talk like you. I may not come from the same socioeconomic background as you. I might come from a totally different side of the tracks than you, but I'm here to tell you I am for you because Jesus is for you. He's not against you. He's not heaping judgment on your life. He's waiting to love your life. Jesus is for you, and by golly, we're going to be for you. As a church, as a church, we will not be known for what we're against. Pastor, you need to take a stand against it. Nope, nope, not gonna do it. We're gonna stand on the side of Jesus every day of the week. Every day of the week, we're gonna weep with those who weep. We're gonna celebrate with those who celebrate. We're going to be for our city. We want to be for them. I want you to buy one of the shirts. I want you to wear it. What if you wore it every Saturday when you were out and about? And it just began to be a conversation. What if it was just a reminder for you to smile at people and to be kind to people? And to be an encouragement to people? And to invest in the people that you meet? If that's the reason you buy it, then buy it for that reason. 
Maybe there's somebody that you've been investing in their life and you've been spending some time and you've been inviting them to church. Buy a coffee cup that says for you on it. Give it to them as a gift and just say, hey, I want you to know I'm for you. Our church, we're for you and we are praying for you too. These are opportunities and resources and tools for you to use to invest and invite. Why? Because people are one invitation away from life change. We've been starting this thing recently. We started it at Easter. We gave it a test drive at Christmas Eve, and we really launched it full on in Easter. And it's a, what we call our Save Your Seat campaign. A lot of our Facebook ads and uh, even on our website, you'll go to it, and you'll see these buttons for people to click to save your seat. It's not because we're afraid we won't have a seat for them, although there are some weeks we're praying that everybody showers so you can sit nice and tight. No, we just want to give them an opportunity if people click and, and, and fill out a real simple form, name and phone number, email, we're able just to follow up with them and say, hey, we're so glad you want to come. Are you coming this week? We'll save you a seat. We'll meet you at the door. We'll pre-check in your kids. We'll have a gift for you. We'll make sure you don't sit by yourself. Why? Because nobody should go to church and feel like they're alone. Amen? Why? Because this is a place that people can belong, even if it's their first time. So use that. When you're talking to your friends, say, hey, why don't you come? Go to the website. Click save your seat. We know you're coming. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure we roll the red carpet out and you have an amazing experience. Just save your seat. Today on your way out, you can pick up some invite cards, little square invite cards for our summer series. June, July, and August, we're doing a sermon series entitled The Summer of Wisdom. And we're looking at the practical wisdom that God gives us through the book of Proverbs. We're just going to do a little study through the book of Proverbs. It's going to happen all June, all July, all August. We have these little invite cards that tell people to save their seat. Carry those around with you. Grab a stack of them. Keep them with you. And when you meet somebody and begin to invest life into them, you can simply have a resource with you to say, hey, let me invite you to come and see. Why? Because I believe we can partner to build the kingdom of God if we will invest and invite. Invest and invite. Let's use this For You campaign. Let's use the Save Your Seat. Grab an invite card. So far this year, and we're just through April, through the first four months of the year, we've seen 34 first-time guests come to our church. 34. And they've filled out a card. Now, there have been others who have come and haven't filled out a card. But 34 that we know who they are by name. We've had 37 people say yes to Jesus so far this year. Come on. We didn't get nearly excited about that enough. 37 people are no longer on their way to hell because of what you do week in and week out because we've created an environment where people can just come and see and know that they belong and they hear a message and they've decided to follow. What would it look like if at the end of this year we were able to say, we saw a hundred people come to Christ this year? Would you like to be a part of something like that? Let's begin to invest and invite. Invest and invite. 
and let's just see what God wants to do through you and through me. What if, what if people really are just one invite away from life's change? I believe we can see greater things when we embrace these unscripted moments where people interrupt our day, if we will embrace these unscripted moments as an opportunity sent by God and don't just excuse them as an intrusion on our schedule. This week, there will be people who interrupt your routine and interrupt your day. What if God was sending them across your path? Let's start looking for those opportunities to invest and invite. What if, what if, what if, what if? I want you to do a few things this week. I want you to write down two names of people that you have relationship with, that you've been investing in relationship. Write down their names, two of them this week. Then I want you to write down three things that you can do personally to invest in them, to add value to them, to encourage them, to build that bridge. Three things that you can do intentionally in that relationship. And then I want you to commit to invite them to come and see. Invite them to come along with you and keep inviting them and keep investing in them until they experience the life change of Jesus. Two people this week that you can invest and invite. Invest and invite. Invest and invite. I know you might be sitting there thinking, but pastor, I'm not real good with words. I... I didn't really finish a lot of education. I, I mean, I, I haven't even been following Jesus all that long. I, I still cuss sometimes. I mean, not, not loud, but, you know, sometimes. I still lie every once in a while. My, my life, it's not, I mean, I'm not really that type. That's not my personality. I didn't, that's not me. The invitation that Jesus invited the disciples to was just come come and follow, right? Come and follow me. I told you that was a cultural norm for them. See, because by age 13, Jewish boys had finished their schooling, and at 13, they were either invited to continue their education with a rabbi because they were the elite of the religious type. They were the elite of their class. I mean, they, they knew the Torah front and backwards. They could quote it. They could say it. They could interpret it. I mean, they knew their stuff. They were the smart Christian kids, smart Jewish boys. And they got to go on to the next level and study with a rabbi. And they would become that rabbi's disciple because they had potential. And at 13, if you weren't one of those top in your class, you got sent back home to learn the family business because you couldn't cut it. You didn't have what it takes to know all the stuff about the scriptures and really articulate it. And, but you're really good at catching some fish, so why don't you go learn to do that? You can sell rugs. Why don't you go sell some rugs? You, you don't quite make this cut. And it was to that group of people that were considered uneducated, uninfluential, 
showed a lack of potential and promise. He walked along the shore and said, hey, I see you're working in your dad's fishing business. Why don't you come and follow me? The invitation wasn't just about to grow in a relationship. The invitation was, I see value and potential in your life. Why don't you come? I know you've been rejected and despised and feel like an outcast and don't feel like you have what it takes to make it with a real rabbi. My name's Jesus. Why don't you follow me? Friends, you might feel unqualified, but if Jesus has saved your life, he's all the qualification that you need. You are capable. Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies everyone he calls. Who does he call? Whoever chooses to believe in him, he calls and says, I'm gonna qualify you. Everything you need in your life, God has already placed on the inside of you. And if you will be willing to take a step to find the opportunities to invest in, take a step out in faith and say, why don't you come and see? And you begin to invite. Jesus will use you to transform lives around you. And nobody would have seen it coming. Nobody would have expected it from somebody like you. Because what good can come from Nazareth? What good could come from your life? You know what? A lot of good. If you're willing to keep following Jesus living like him to invest and invite. Let's pray. God, today we want to be like you. God, this week I pray that we would not look at the unscripted moments as an interruption, but rather we would see these unscripted moments as an opportunity to invest and invite. Invite them to come and see what you're doing. Invite them to come and see the life change that's taking place in our own lives. Lord, we would invest and we would invite and may we do so with courage and boldness. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...